Welcome to What the Fun Podcast with Kimmy, Kisa, and Renee. Glad you can join us as we explore all aspects of entertainment and current events with industry professionals, friends, and us. Welcome. All right, friends, here we are. Episode 13 of season two. This, here we are. We're just rolling. We're, we're, we're. Wait, it's not fourteen. You know what? Okay, so we're going through another another day of confusion here because you know, not too long ago, last week, someone yes. forgot what day of the week it was, I and, sat, that was. <laughs> and sat on a Zoom call for minutes and real not realizing that it wasn't Friday. Because here's the thing, friends. We tend Are to. Are you talking about me? <laughs> I was making fun of you. Yeah, you. <laughs> that was, that you. was I mean, you. <laughs> you were the one that did that. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, friends. We record our shows on a Friday, and so we tend to meet up Friday mornings to, you know, do our our uh, side conversations. And so, why don't we have Renee tell the story of what happened last week? <laughs> <laughs> I went to bed thinking the next day was Friday. I was like, I have to go to bed early. I'm going to have to do this thing at nine in the morning. That is way too early. If I want to be coherent, I have to like do my work and step into it. And I did. I went to bed early. I woke up, did all the things I had to do, logged on, sat here for a good 10 minutes before I realized that it was only Thursday. (laughs) We weren't here Friday. I was like, yeah. I'm wrong. <laughs> As I sat by myself in a Zoom room wondering when people were going to join in. And then Renee sends us a text message and is like, oh my gosh, I've been sitting in Zoom for 10 minutes. I totally thought it was Friday. And I'm like, yeah, girl, I'm at work right now. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Aww. It's hard to keep track of days. I'm sorry. <laughs> and dates. I thought you were making fun of yourself because in the last, in the first episode of the season on episode 13, you were like, it's, oh, we cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> we, I have slipped. Yes, I have. No, no, no. We kept it because I kept saying we're on episode four. And then Kisa was like, no, we're on episode five. Yes, that happened a long time ago. But then when we came back to do episode 13, I think the same thing happened. You were like, okay, everybody, we're back with, you know, episode 12, I think it was. And we were like, no, it's 13. <laughs> but but the editing god of Kisa cut, cut that out. <laughs> I just brought it back right now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? We just got to stay true to ourselves. This is how we are. We're totally organic. So yeah, we'll have slip ups. It's okay. That's what makes our show really cool is that we keep it real. <laughs> so what are we talking about? We're talking about how your dog has a diaper. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Having my dog on a diaper, especially if you have indoor dogs and they're indoors majority of the time while you're at work, it's it, it, it's a it's a mm-hmm. godsend. You know, it helps prevent, you know, accidents, which my dog tends to do quite often. Well, in the last couple of months or so, he had a doggy pee pad. But then ever since he um, 
went over to the other house and met up with the other dog. The other dog started peeing everywhere. And so now he's copying everything. And then you bring him home and now he starts peeing in every little corner, marking his spot. So he ditched the pad and just went straight to the carpet. So he's wearing a diaper. <laughs> yeah, you guys ditched the pad too and went straight to a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> oh, gotta love, gotta love these pooches. Oh, by the way, did you guys get any of those knit goods from um, our uh, sponsor, Cat Knit Ever Geek? Yes. yes, I'm gonna definitely take advantage of that discount because um, my pooch needs a holiday wear. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it gets cold. And friends, you can log on to our website if you want to take advantage of those promo deals. Just log on to uh, com and then select the promos tab. And there you'll find information on the latest deals that we have going on using our What the Fun promo code. So if you need something for your pet, definitely uh, check out that website um, from our friends at um, Cat Knit Ever Geek. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's true we have a website and it looks so good Kimmy yeah. great job on that thank Love you it. yes it so good that's exciting guys now you all can share our website or log on to our website ask us questions anything like mm-hmm. that things or if you have any ideas of what mm-hmm. you want us to be talking about or discussing like this is a great form of communication and looks really good so go check it out and you can load this on your phone too. So, you know, oh. that's the best part is that it it's um, it looks really good on the phone, on a mobile device. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you want to learn more about Rikiki Productions, you can log on to our website and learn more about Rikiki and what our endeavors are, our plans, and then what the fun podcast. You can get the latest episodes, all of our episodes, everything, or know more about us as hosts by reading our bios. So check out the site. Yes. Fun. Yay. <laughs> okay, well, this has been a fun morning, and we have a fun guest today. Yes, oh, yes we do. Mm-hmm. Joining us today is a hilarious stand-up comedian who has toured all over and performed on numerous comedy festivals with his on a whim, on a whim, on a whim comical stylings and infectious catchphrase. <laughs> he has become a favorite on other podcast shows and also has performed improv. In addition, he's also an actor and has performed on various TV shows and national commercials on big networks. So let's welcome to our show, funny man, Mikey McCurtain. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. We're excited too. I mean, Mikey, Mikey and I go way back. He, um, so I had, I had my sketch comedy improv troupe called the Fornicators of Comedy. No, the improv troupe, um, was a very huge cast. It was an LA cast and an OC cast. And mm-hmm. Mikey was there for the beginning of the OC cast and wrote it all the way through. And so it was fun. It was great. I had a great time working with you. There are a lot of things that, um, I used to do that cracked me up. Um, one thing that I'll always remember was uh, Mikey scooting across the stage. Like he would sit with um, his legs, applesauce, crisscross applesauce. And then he would like scoot <laughs> around the stage, slide around. <laughs> I miss doing that. I still have never done that in my standup, but I think about it a lot. I'm like, man, that was, I love doing that. That was so, I ruined a lot of pants doing it, but. <laughs> yeah. That's probably why I stopped doing it. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, now that from from improv, you're doing stand-up comedy. I mean, how much has improv impacted your career as a stand-up comedian? 
Well, I'd say it's, you know, it was the, the rocket ship at first. It was the, the spark to get going. You know, if you wanted to pursue comedy outside of, uh, you know, like acting and stuff, they always told you to go to improv. And I took a bunch of improv classes and I always tried to find any kind of improv work. And the most fun I've ever had was being in a sketch and improv troupe and performing, you know, weekly. And improv is so important just for any kind of, you know, entertainer aspects. So you can, you know, think on the fly and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's very valuable for the world of stand up comedy when you need to make funny right then and there. <laughs> <laughs> now, with, um, you know, your, your early career in, in stand up comedy, who were your early influences? Well, my number one guy to like, even get into show business is Jim Carrey. He's still to this day, like ever since I was nine years old, it's been like my dream to make Jim Carrey laugh. Like that is literally one of my goals in my life. <laughs> and to get into standup though, this guy, Bill Hicks, he's definitely uh, a big influencer. Like I got into him when I was like a teenager and I was really into my anti-establishment stage. And I was like, whoa, this guy is a comedian. He's like telling the truth, but it's funny. <laughs> so I, I really, I really, really like that. But it's mostly mostly Jim Carrey. He's he's the he's the num- the numero numero. Speaking of Jim Carrey, is he even around? Because I don't hear his name anymore. No, he, he is. Oh he's yeah, he's it. playing Joe Biden right now yeah. on yeah, SNL. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, what rock are you living on? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been hiding underneath some rock because I haven't been up to date with Saturday Night Live. I mean, the last time I watched SNL, I mean, it goes back to to uh, what's his name? Um, oh gosh, well, he always. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Will Ferrell and Sherry. Oh, that's Terry. a long time ago. <laughs> I know. I know. It's been so long. Okay, well, that's yeah. good. He's playing Joe Biden. That's yeah. good. So what direct influence did he have on your on your comedy? Um, it's definitely physical. Like I I love being physical as much as I possibly can. And I always that always would crack me up. And then of course, like making really, you know, faces like funny faces and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like he's always talked about how he like grew up in front of a mirror and I've always, you know, been obsessed with inter- entertaining myself in front of a mirror as well. <laughs> but coming from a, I'm, you know, I'm the youngest of six, actually technically now I'm the youngest of seven. And, you know, I just always been in the position of trying to entertain all my siblings and stuff like that. And then growing up, I played ice hockey and, being on a hockey team and then being in the position of entertaining the, you know, all, all my, uh, all my uh, teammates and stuff like that. So I just always been kind of like forefront of center of attention. So and Jim kind of seems like he demands a lot of attention. And then working in an improv group with Kimmy, what were the highlights of that? Like how, how did working sketch comedy really like affect how you started to see your comedy after that, especially now that you've established that you did that before you went on and did your first gig as a stand-up comic. It has a lot to do with probably writing like a little, just like a skit and then trying to find like the character and then the, the conflict in it. And then just having the freedom to, you know, explore that and have as much fun as you possibly can. Cause it's like with sketches, you can go kind of far out, but you still have like, you know, like a, like a path, like a, like, yeah, like a footprint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So that was like super fun for me doing that. And I've never done that before. And it, that was just kind of like, you know, Oh, I felt like this is my calling and 
you know, growing up loving Jim Carrey. So what I hear is that it was more of like the, it provided structure. It gave you a guideline. And so then you were able to then apply that to your own comedy and understand like you kind of have to have a beginning, a middle and an end with a joke as well when you're trying to tell stories. Yeah, absolutely. It's because what was fun is the balance of improv and sketch. So when there was times where it's like, okay, we have like a, you know, orderly fashion, then improv would just be like, it's all out the window, you know? So we get Mm -hmm. to kind of like, it's like a yin yang. It was like a balance of, you know, Mm -hmm. being like, you know, restricted compared to like branching out and going off the walls and stuff like that. And that's so much fun because especially when you're in your beginning, you know, of your stages of trying to figure out your sense of humor and your creativity and, you know, just your, um, your talent of performing it's that was like the best Mm -hmm. and it it was so much fun of you know we would rehearse once a week work on sketches and we do a show every sunday Mm -hmm. Sundays, but it was just at least we do show every week and that was just so much fun having you know a lot of shows to have people come and see and stuff like that and you know having live audiences to perform in front of was so much fun and it was it was a playground, you know, it was a playground for the creative minds. And, you know, I mean, to see Mikey evolve and grow, I've, <laughs> I've seen him do so many physical um, comedy routines on our stage and to, ha- to have our, to use our stage as a platform to test out, you know, these characters, you know, it was an opportunity for him to just play. So it was a playground and to mm-hmm. see every character grow out of that, I think totally shaped who you are today as a comedian. Yeah, absolutely. What about that relationship with the audience? In improv, many times you're drawing from the audience uh, and then you see what works and what doesn't work. And then that's when the Hong Kong comes in, right? At the end of that one set. Like, so how did that help you um, start building building that relationship as you started shifting into being a stand-up comic? Well, it's, you know, the number one rule about comedy shows is that if it's sketch, improv, or stand-up, the show's about the audience, you know? Mm-hmm. So if they're there, you got to entertain them. And, you know, I did a little theater in high school, and it's live audience, you know, like mm-hmm. heartbeats. They're, you know, it's so much fun to feel their energy and all that kind of stuff. And that's really, like, the biggest thrill of doing any kind of performing is getting the live audience's reaction. And, you know, the beginning stages of doing, you know, sketch comedy and, improv in front of it you know that builds you confidence to go to the art form of stand-up comedy which is a little more scarier because Mm stand-up is just you yourself you know by yourself you know up against a brick wall like just oh now i got in front of the whole audience (laughs) and so you learn to to connect with them and that's all it is it's just you know once you connect with the audience they they think it's it's hilarious and then they love it and and i miss it so And so that experience shifting into comedy, um, what was that like? How did how was how were the beginnings of your stand up comedy career? To be honest, I was so scared to do it. I Mm -hmm. I first tried it when I was eighteen. I did a contest called "Who's King of the Water Cooler" at my local improv comedy club, and I took third place. And then I got free classes, and then I did the showcase. And then after the showcase, they're kind of like other other comics were like, oh, come do comedy here. Come do comedy here. But I'm like, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I still live at home. You know, like <laughs> the only adversity I see is like my dad telling me to take the trash out. And so I, I, I didn't I didn't have the courage <laughs> to do it. And and then the kind of stuff that I was coming up with, 
it was extremely childish and like it wasn't like you know like cool or adult like you know like the, when you when you see the stand-up comedy world you know mm-hmm. you think it's like oh it's a nightclub and it's you know whatever kind of taboos they all talk about and i just didn't feel like i fit in and then i read steve martin's book born standing up and he started off with just really bad like magic tricks he would just go do these mm-hmm. horrible magic mm-hmm. tricks Mm-hmm. And that gave me so much confidence. Like, yeah, you know what? Who cares? Like if I make fart noises on stage, just go up and do it. You know, it's like no mm-hmm. big deal. And then 22 years old, I finally got the courage to do my first open mic and never looked back. Never looked back. 12 years. I mean, that takes like real courage, you know, mm-hmm. to get up and, and do that and and have an open mic. I mean, I think that's the thing with like, that I always admire about people who can do improv in comedy is like just thinking that quickly on your feet is so impressive to me because I have to like process it. I have to analyze it. I'm like, it does this make sense. You know what I mean? That's why I do stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, like I always really, admire people who can who can really put themselves out there and you know make people laugh I think that's like probably one of the hardest things to do because you know people are tough and (laughs) it's like you know what's funny to me could not be funny to the person that I'm there with so Mm -hmm. you know it's to be to kind of generalize things overall is like a really good so it's a skill to have that not everybody can do so it's true. I mean, you think about like drama. Drama is so easy because a lot of people, you know, they can go to those places. But comedy is 90% failure. Like you, mm-hmm. it, it's, it takes so much to, you know, for it to work. And so people are so afraid of, you know, like, oh, there's so much, you know, failure to comedy that that's why they, that's why they're so intimidated by it. But you just have to learn like, yo, I'm okay with, you know, tanking and I'm okay with mm-hmm. bombing and once you get okay with that, you're you're almost invincible and stuff like that. And that's what's, you know, comedy is so much harder too than drama. You know, mm-hmm. they you always hear that because, you know, like drama, like everybody can relate to like, oh, I'm sad or, you know, angry or depressed where comedy is like, hey, this is funny, right? Like I thought this was ironic. Yeah. And some people were just like, no, I didn't connect to that. And then you're like, oh, okay, there you go my face. But, you know, having the courage and the confidence to be like, it's no big deal. I take the licks and then that actually reassures people. They like to laugh at like, oh man, look at this guy. Just, you know, be horrible. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it, to me, it's always been about the relationship, right? That relatability mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the content. And it's usually when the comic is being truthful or speaking the truth is when they get the oh, audience, yeah. because that's where you get that connection of like, oh yeah, I see that in myself or in someone else or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then you automatically build that, that tie with the, the comic. And then it becomes, then you go on that roller coaster together, um, which I think is what you were referring to as far as like having that um, relationship with the audience and how they affect. Oh, absolutely. Know. It's almost any artist, any performer, mm-hmm. no matter what is the audience has got to believe you. Yeah. You know, if they don't believe you, they're going to be like, no, nah, I don't, you know, I don't believe you. So if you go up there and you're like, this is the truth. This is my truth. Who connects with it? And then most people do. They're gonna they're gonna laugh. They're gonna enjoy yeah. it. They're like, oh, this is great. I like this guy. Oh, this guy reminds me of so and so. I like him. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. That's that's the biggest. The number one number one thing is 
connecting with the audience, telling the truth. Because if they believe you, then they'll laugh at you. So when you're up there on that stage, like, what is that process? Like, how do you develop your material? I mean, do you just go up there and just start being funny? I usually, I like to go up there and just be funny if I can, but I kind of come up with a few, like, I'll have like a few things to say and then see where that goes. And then, then I'll go from there. But, you know, whatever, you know, jokes that they hit me or whatever I'm working on, I try my hardest just to like, okay, like, just have a few things memorized. Like a, mm-hmm. a typical open mic will be three minutes. And so for me, that's about like nine jokes. So I'll have like about like four to five jokes prepared. And then I'll see is wherever I can go from that because it's, it's just, it's, it's so much fun to create on stage. Like I really like doing that a lot. And, you know, some people, you know, prefer that, but it, it it's, you know, just, it's really just get up and do it and see where it goes. Is that where your improv skills kick into place is when you just get up oh, yeah. and do it? But is there ever like a structure to it though? I mean, you mentioned that you, you know, sometimes like to go to like a coffee shop where, you know, you will sit down and these ideas come to your head. You know, what is, what is your process when you do develop certain sets? When it comes to trying to create material though, it, it really is like, you know, what, what, what makes you laugh? What's funny to you? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if the audience is going to relate to it. But I like yeah. I like jokes. I've always got into it for trying to tell jokes. And that's a, a harder path because, you know, like stand-up comedy, like it's been around longer than my lifetime. So, you know, it's like almost some people don't like jokes because it's like, ah, you know, we've heard we've heard it before. We've heard these type of jokes before. We just want to hear your voice, your point of view about things you know and that's what mm-hmm. the most successful comedians eventually become is you know you're like we know who they are we know their voice we can just hear them talk about their day or talk about what's in the news and stuff like that and that's kind of mm-hmm. like eventually the goal but you know i've kind of created an act for myself mm-hmm. and that's what it is right i mean like ultimately are working towards creating or constructing that set, that magical set that'll get you the Netflix special. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, and that takes years. It's not going to be a, a one time thing. It's, it takes years. It takes t- trial and error. It takes working every day, going to different performing every day, um, whether if it's in different clubs or in the same club, but just like different audiences to get that structure, to start building that set foundation. Am I correct? In that? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It takes, they say it takes about 10 years to create your voice. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like, okay, cause it's all with any art, you know, find your voice and then find your audience. And mm-hmm. the most successful artists are the ones who, you know, they find that, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, I was, and that's why I always tell comedians, I'm like, Justin Bieber, you know, he's going to perform. He was all about like, I'm performing for 14 year old girls, you know? And so it's like, once you find your audience, you know, that's, that's where you become so successful, but it takes so much time because there's, there's just, you know, you're experimenting and you're finding out who you are and what you want to talk about. And then basically it's like your sense of humor, you know, does that connect with audiences and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you get out of your comfort zones, you know, when you decide to go out on the road and do that kind of stuff, like, is this going to connect with, you know, with people in rural areas or, you know, metropolis areas? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that kind of brings us to touring because like uh, how much touring have you done and, and what is that life like? I know that uh, the comedy scene is, it can be very, um, what's the word? Hard on your life, like hard on, on you and, and trying to keep consistency. Yeah, it takes, a, no, it takes a lot of sacrifices. One of, one of my favorite lines that I always have, and I always tell this to comedians is, uh, you know, don't give up your nightmares. Cause that's mm-hmm. what, you know, going on the road, you know, you drive three hours to do maybe five minutes for three people, you know, and you might not even get $5 for it. Oh, wow. So, so that's where it's like, is it even worth it? And that's where it, it, it takes, you know, your character. This is whoever, what type of character you have to be like, yeah, it is worth it because, you know, I find value in the experience or I find value mm-hmm. of like, oh, well, you know, next time I meet people out there, I'll go, you know, like I'll go again and give it another shot. So it's always valuable to me. Yeah. This is Absolutely. like the making of like a perfect story for Mikey. So you know, when he <laughs> gets his Netflix special, I mean, we had him first. We had him on our show. You know, <laughs> humble beginnings. I hope so. Yeah. I hope you were like, oh man, I saw him on uh, What the Fun podcast and now he's rich and famous. <laughs> <laughs> and then we like try to call you back. Hey, Mikey, care to make a special appearance again on What the Fun? It's like, gonna be yeah, like, I'm too busy. Like, <laughs> I can't get my microphone. My microphone video. No, that's. Hopefully by, you know, that time we can record in person. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Have our own studio, right, ladies? Do you, uh, I know with the quarantine and everything, how have you been adapting uh, as far as your stand-up comedy? Have you been able to go out and actually perform or is there another outlet for you? I've done, uh, I've done a little performing. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately have not adapted to the online performing and that has a lot to do with my physicality and stuff like that. And I just, like when I first saw it coming out, it, it just, you know, I was not a big, not a big supporter of it and stuff like that. So when it started, you know, like people started doing, it's all under, you know, it's all underground right now. And so when people started doing open mics and parks and stuff like that, I jumped on it. But I, I know I hate to say it, but I haven't, you know, adapted to the online presence. And it's really important because no matter what kind of entertainer you are today, you got to have this you know, an online presence of doing, you know, being on Instagram, being on TikTok and having a YouTube channel mm-hmm. and all those kind of stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. and stuff like that, especially when it comes to the industry, you know, all they care about right now is numbers. So they're like, yo, if you don't have a following, you know, we don't really care because, you know, we can go find somebody with a big following, you know, like, mm-hmm. we can, you know, sell our products right. that way because that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask that, like, how does, how is social media play in in your industry like how important is it but i can see it's still very important like it is anywhere else (laughs) yeah it's really it's it's so important i remember like when i was first getting into like the acting industry and stuff like that you know everybody was like you know they always ask like casting and producers like does it really matter that you have a social following and people like no not really but now it's like yeah you know Mm -hmm. you get breakdowns and they're like must have a social media following like you know, you, you, I give credit to, you know, the um, do-it-yourself type of way of that it is. You know what I mean? Like, you you know, it's like, yo, if you can create your own, go do it. And people have. And it's almost like you got to give them credit for, you know, creating their own thing. And, you know, like doing doing their own stuff. 
Um, I think we already touched on this a little bit, but when do you, when are you really like in the zone? Like when you're performing, like what is that like feeling of like, oh yeah, like I know, like I have like, I've captured the audience. I have great jokes. Like what is that um, experience or process like? For me, I'm always, every time I, I'm still nervous, every time I go up, it's just because, you know, you just think like, they're not going to like this. They're not going to like this. They're, they're just, I don't think they're going to get this, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it's always fun to watch the audience beforehand. Like I, my thing is to watch the host go up and see how they get the room started. But I have, I usually tell three jokes and then if they're, that's usually from where it is. Like if it's going to be fun from there, then like, all right, they're into it. Let's roll. You know, and that's mm-hmm. when I know. But if it's like three jokes in and they're not, then I'm like, okay, this is going to be a little bit harder. And I'll, you know, try more things to, you know, like please them and stuff like that. But once it's always so fun because once you get going, time flies, you know, time flies when you're having fun because you don't, you don't realize, you know, when you're like killing, you know, or it's going mm-hmm. so well. But it's like when you're, when you're in front of the live audience too, as well. You know, you might not realize like when, when there, you can add something on to that. And that's why, you know, if you do like you're, you know, you're talking about a subject and then the audience likes that and you're like, oh, well, if you guys like that, here's this new thought I had that I never thought of, you know, and that's, that's always like, you ask any comedian, like, you know, oh, I just thought of this when you're on stage and you tell it and it gets a laugh. That's like the biggest, the greatest Mm -hmm. feeling ever. And that's why it's so important to record those sets because I can't remember them. Like I never, I never, ever can remember like stuff I do on the fly when I'm on stage. So that's why it's really important to have all your sets recorded. So you can Mm -hmm. go back and listen and be like, Oh yes, that's what I said. Or you go back and was like, that's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I like that. (laughs) Yeah. I just remember like one time I did a joke that, you know, I, I was supposed to say subway, you know, the subway sandwich shop. Mm -hmm. And I said Starbucks instead. And, I, and I'm like looking at the audience like, you guys didn't think it was funny? Like what? And then I go and listen back and I hear myself say, uh, say Starbucks. And I was like, yes, no wonder they didn't laugh at you. Man. No what wonder. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny right there. That is a funny right there. Yeah. <laughs> it was real. That really happened. It really happened. That's yeah. it. That's real true. mistakes. Real, real mistakes are hilarious. Oh, yeah. When people fall, I can't help but laugh. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Even, okay, so I broke my foot a couple a few years ago, and that was the first thing I did. I laughed. I laughed, and I laughed. <laughs> before then they didn't take me serious so when I was like okay my foot is broken let's go <laughs> they were like you're joking right and I was like no I'm not I'm done with the joke let's go we're having a great time here this <laughs> yeah, oh my god that's what's so beautiful about comedy is that it's it's tragedy like comedy is tragedy and yeah and like so many people you know they and, it, and we laugh at it because usually sometimes like if it's if it's not you you know what I mean but I'm nowadays, I'm the same way. Like if there's things that are completely unbelievable that are horrible, like I laugh. Uh It's like, (laughs) like I, so my favorite. Especially nowadays. Yeah. Like it, it, well, it's just like, if you like my favorite thing in the world is, you know, to ease the tension with Mm laughing. So it's Uh like, if I'm watching like a, like a scary movie and stuff like that, and there's, you know, comedy, like there's relief in it. 
I love it so much because you got to have a little bit of that. Like going to like, like a not scary farms and stuff like that. Like it's, I love, you know, like I laugh every time. Like, you know, when they jump out and scare you, it's like, I just, I start laughing because I'm like, ah, you, you got me. Oh, <laughs> I don't think Kisa feels the same no. way. <laughs> no, no, no. We actually had this converse, this exact conversation about Halloween on one of our episodes of, of, of the podcast because I hate scary things. <laughs> so let's shift to stuff that you like to do outside of comedy. So like, what are some, what are some of your favorite things to like, keep yourself like inspired and grounded? Like you said, you like, you mentioned that you really like being active. Is that something that you, that, that you draw inspiration off of? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, like, you know, I grew up being an athlete my whole life and I grew up playing hockey. And so my favorite thing to do in the world is to go watch hockey. Like, mm-hmm. like, I love it so much. The Anaheim Ducks mm-hmm. go to the Honda Center. I miss it so much. And I like one of my favorite things is to try to get on the jumbotron. Like that is ever since I was a little kid, I've always been like obsessed with doing that. But and I've been hiking a lot recently, and mm-hmm. that's you know like one of the best things ever is to get outside and enjoy a little nature. But probably my my biggest hobby that I love more than anything, especially when it comes to inspiration, is reading. I love mm-hmm. I love reading every single day, like for hours if mm-hmm. I can. And that that's the best because it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the best sober escape. I always like to say, you know, and mm-hmm. you need your imagination to paint the picture that the author is writing and stuff like that. And so I, I like, I love it more than anything. Mikey, you've got an interesting personality. Um, you know, when it comes to astrology, like science, I'm a Scorpio, uh, Kisa is a Leo and Renee is an Aries, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Aries. Mikey, what is what is your sign? Oh, I'm a Libra. Oh. Oh. Viva la Libras. Yeah. Libra is the only astrological sign without a heartbeat. Every other sign is living. Uh, Libras is an object. Mm-hmm. It's a scales. So, oh. so how do you me- embrace? <laughs> well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I was like, "Wow, it's heartless." So I better make sure I'm, you know, I have heart and I show more love and affection in the world because I don't want to be, you know. But then again, <laughs> it's like one of the biggest faults because it's indecisiveness, you know, because you always yeah. you're always weighing out the options and stuff like that. So, mm. so I've always been big on like just make a decision, make a decision, make a decision. But it's so hard because I love to, you know, put myself in other people's positions, like feel yeah. for other people and stuff like that, and it's. It just only comes naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never really thought of Libras that way, but it makes sense. And and I, I see why you strive for um, finding the heart in things. And But it's that balance as well. Um, my sister's a Libra, and I, I see that a lot in her too. So it's, it's fun. You're also very creative as Libras. So mm-hmm. once you find your art, the way that you choose to express yourself, it becomes everything and it's oh yeah 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 it's so fun because i i mean i you know like i i come from like a my my dad's a huge workaholic my mom likes to work a lot too as well so i love being like immersed in in mm-hmm. my art and being all about it like it, it's I, like i don't mind it being my lifestyle you know where mm-hmm. you know some people are like oh you don't want to take your work home but you don't want to be all caught up but it's so entertaining to me and I, I really like putting all my effort into it. And then of course, you know, there's, 
you know, you'll need, you know, escapes once in a while. You'll need like relief from that. And, you know, and with, when you are so dedicated to me, that's where it's like you can be able to enjoy, you know, finding a little relief outside of that. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah. Because that stuff's important. Like for dating wise, like for comedians, you know, it's really hard to meet normal people because, you know, they kind of don't get the lifestyle and stuff like that, you know? So, you know, mm-hmm. comics will date other comedians because they understand. And sometimes that's a little dangerous because it's, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's not your escape from it. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so I like, for me, like, I'm like, I try to like want to meet girls who are not into comedy and stuff like that, but it's hard because I'm so attracted to funny women. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, you know, gosh, you, you've had quite the journey and you still have, you know, another adventure to, to seek out after quarantine ends with your comedy career for, for those who you know are looking into being a stand-up comedian, like what can you share? What words of wisdom would you have for those in the comedy world or even just in life, entertainment, whatever? I don't care. What words of wisdom do you have? <laughs> Well, the biggest one, no matter what, is have fun. Like, don't do anything, you know, if you're not going to have fun. You got to really enjoy the the certain amount of time you have on this planet, you know. The heart is a clock. So I always, I always say, too, like, the world is like a typewriter, you know. You, uh, the earth is the paper, time is the ribbon, and you are the key. So whatever, like, you know, stamp you put on, you know, time on earth is really important. So... You got to have as much as fun and to get into entertainment, you know, just, you know, enjoy yourself, write as much as you possibly can. If you're going to, you know, create and go do it, like stop talking about it, you know, like mm-hmm. I always say, stop talking, start walking because, yeah. you know, you can always, you know, oh, I always want to do this. I always want to do that. But I guarantee you, you will be more fulfilled if you go and give it a shot, you know, and you're going to, and just be ready to fail. But at the same time, like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fail because you're, you know, you're going to fail. And if you can pick yourself up from fail- failure, you're going to have a really good time. And with that, we end. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how do we, is that the, is that the head, like, instead of microphone drop, you're like, that's the, the, the headphone drop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Mikey. It was great having you be a part of our show. You're one of our first stand-up comedians on here, I believe. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. I really appreciate it. I'm very grateful to come here and talk and share any kind of wisdom and laugh that we can have, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Mikey. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. Good luck out there and stay safe. Thank you so much, Mikey, for joining us. And for our What The Fun followers, if you'd like to follow Mikey, you can follow him on Instagram at Mikey McKernan or check out his website at www.mikeymckernan.com. Oh, geez, ladies, since going back to work and all, my closet is just, it's, it's like a tornado blew in there and I, it's, it's so disheveled. It's a mess. It's a mess. I feel so clustered right now. Have you uh, checked out Coordinating My Chaos? What? Who? <laughs> I mean, you should. In fact, Coordinating My Chaos specializes not only in organizing spaces like your closet, pantry, garage, but also monumental tasks like organizing your documents in an easy and convenient way. Sign up today for a free 15-minute project consultation by going to their website, www. 
coordinatingmychaos.com or start following them on Instagram at coordinatingmychaos. You can also go onto our website, www.wikikiproductions.com for more information. And if you didn't catch all of that, just remember Coordinating My Chaos, bringing order to your extraordinary world. And please make sure you are subscribed to all of our podcast platforms so you can stay up to date with all of our latest shenanigans. We post new episodes of What the Fun podcast every other Friday. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone.